Welcome to Lemmy Works, brought to you by Leadership Education Mentoring Institute. We are inspiring parents, mentors, and communities as they embark on the journey of transformational project-based education. Hi, this is Tatiana Fallon. Hi, this is Heidi Christensen. We're so excited to be your hosts. Welcome to the podcast. We have the opportunity to hear from Heather Furman. Heather has been with Lemmy for a long time and it's been awesome to have her come to us as a Lemmy mentor and then eventually become a Lemmy trainer and she's a wonderful Lemmy trainer. So Heather, could you do a little bit, um, introduce yourself, uh, tell our audience a little bit about yourself? All right. Well, I'm Heather Furman and live in um, the Raleigh, North Carolina area temporarily, looking to relocate into uh, Oregon somewhere in that state we're still narrowing that down in the next um on two months and um i have been married to my husband whom i lovingly call prince charming his name is david for almost 20 well almost 28 years and um we have four children the oldest is almost 22 and the youngest is almost 16 three boys and one beautiful daughter and um, we were involved um in uh a Lemmy type group um, or or leadership education group since the oldest was about four or five and um, are kind of nearing the end of our homeschool uh, journey, at least at this this phase or this um, generation and um, I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like for the day after is a kind of a new thing I've been thinking about. Um, as far as me personally, I um I enjoy the outdoors. We enjoy um, hiking and kayaking, um, especially hammocking. I, I take a lot of affection for time in a hammock. I enjoy reading. I spend a lot of time um, reading across um, multiple genres, um, from classics to also you know modern day um, fiction, historical fiction being my most favorite. And um, I I like to sing and I play the ukulele. That's awesome. I love historical fiction and moment <laughs> it's nice to find someone else who loves it too because no one in my family does. So <laughs> I'm like, oh great, maybe you can hook me up with some great reads because I'm always looking. <laughs> I definitely so, like it when an author is like really good on their historical backgrounds. I feel like I get to learn in an, an exciting, you know, story way. Um it's kind of one of my favorite ways to learn. <laughs> So which has been one of your uh, most memorable or favorite projects to mentor? I have a big talk between Shakespeare Conquest or Edison Project, both ends of the spectrum. Um, I grew, grew up doing lots of theater and um, and it carried into to some adulthood projects, um, but not a lot of experience with Shakespeare. So I had... I had a comfortability with theater, which kind of made me of, you should be our Shakespeare mentor. And I'm like, but I don't really know much about Shakespeare. I had like one or two required Shakespeare plays that I vaguely remember and and didn't really understand. Um, but a lot of times um, people, uh, you know, have those kind of fears, but I had a wonderful person there like, this is going to be your co-mentor. And I 
I worshipped the quicksand she walked upon to to quote one of my favorite movies. But um, and so I I gave it a try and stayed there for multiple years before I ever branched out into another one. And then in the last couple of years, I've been mentoring Edison Project, and I love the 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 freedom of that project. Not that we don't have freedom in any of these other projects, but I love uh, taking years of 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 studying the art of mentoring, use of of watching different mentors, watching different students, because it happened to me towards the 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 more recent um, the last four years. Um, it allowed me to take a lot of years of of experience and apply it in a more organic way, and and I love that about Edison. So. I don't know that I could say one or the other because Shakespeare is an awful lot of fun and I love what it does for students and it builds some serious confidence. Um, not unlike those that conquered the Declaration of Independence in Key of Liberty, but those those kids who have such um, apprehension to go into such confidence in the second semester and put on a play and, and watch all the worry and everything. Um, come out to be and then suddenly they put on a play and people enjoyed it even though I that wasn't my objective um it definitely is a wonderful experience to watch but at the same time watching these older kids who are just ready to take ownership or maybe think they should be taking ownership or um we give them the opportunity to take ownership and seeing what they create and helping them to be right um, in that, in that choice and the synergy and the opportunity that takes become their, I don't know, like, uh, to become more of their equal rather than it, it being that way, the, the side-by-sideness of Edison is a, is a truly enjoyable experience for me. So I just, ha I'm just curious, have you ever been able to take kids that you taught in Shakespeare and then, then you have them in Edison? I did. I obviously got to do that that once. I my um, my last Edison class, I had them all the way from Key of Liberty. And my first year, I taught Key of Liberty and Shakespeare. Um, part of that curse capability of when you've been around for a while was my first time in 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 Key. I think it was my third, and it was my fifth or sixth time in Shakespeare. And I had those um, students all the way through Edison. Um, in one capacity or another, whether I was, I think I did Key and Shakespeare with them that first year. Then I did Sword with them and we did it for a year long because we are in the South. Um, and so we we like did the Civil War <laughs> and we had some young ones. And so we thought maybe we'd hold them back a little bit and stretch Sword for a year. And then the next year we'd made Hero into an elective and I had them in the afternoon and we kind of stretched out Hero a little bit and um and they did pyramid. So we kind of lightened hero and stretched it out. And then the next year I was request one and two. Um, then the next year um, I had them in an afternoon project um, for Shakespeare again, might've been their third time in Shakespeare. And I wrote another project called the Blackfriars Guild, which basically took those same students and made them the student mentors um, for the Shakespeare Conquest class that was younger and they helped run those play productions. And then I had them and they took Quest three in the morning. I had them next year in Edison. So at some point I had them. So yeah. So that was a really unique experience to have years worth of debriefs, years worth of blank page mentorings on these students. 
Um, and then I also got in a new student that year that came and moved from the other side of the country, joined our Edison class of established students that some of them had been there since Key and Sword and um, and had to bring him into that mix. It was really well established and watched at the at how gracefully that they just brought somebody into their fold and accepted him the way he was um, at the same time of having knowing all of these other students and then not knowing this one at all. So I grew extra nominally a, a huge amount from that particular experience because it was easy to to sit there and be with students that I had been for a while and watch them grow and change. But then I couldn't approach them the same because there was this one other student that required me to use a different set of spiritual eyes um, that made their experience maybe a little bit different because it, it forced me out of my comfort zone with them. Wow. So if you could say, uh, just name a couple of, of attributes that you've seen develop in your children through those, or your mentees through those, all those phases, what would you say would be the predominant attributes that you just saw come out of them? Does that make sense? Like you get to be the, one of the very few people that has this gone through the whole Lemmy continuum with these kids. What's the end product? I mean, our podcast is called Lemmy Works. So did it work? I guess <laughs> question. <laughs> well, I think it helps for me to think about them individually because I, I don't know that I could um, do that. So for example, one is my child. Um, and so I, I feel comfortable, you know, talking about Jeremy um, and Jeremy has a major speech disorder. So I watched a person with disfluency or stuttering and um and childhood apraxy of speech um so it's like it's not even a speech delay it's a neurological disorder um and his father also happens to have a lot of the the similar things except my son ended up being a bit more severe and so um when you watch what my husband went through in his um uh, public school education what my son went through um my son at 12 with having a disorder takes on a decent sized role memorizes um and yet it has like a disorder where everything kind of gets lost and it takes a little time to come out and projection we, you know all of those different things um didn't occur but he had no fear because he felt safe in that environment that was created with his his fellow um students um and because of 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 us as mentors and, and in the the culture of the community um, to get up there. Like he watched two older siblings do this, this same thing. And so that's some, a serious amount of confidence, um, to do that with somebody who is pretty major. And then I think of a, of another student, um, he came in at sort of, uh, no, he came in halfway with key of Liberty, um, in the second semester and then really struggled because he never got to do that, um, that declaration memorization. And I find that those that do the, the set piece or the soliloquy in Shakespeare Conquest, or, or definitely those that memorize that um, Declaration of Independence, the I can do hard things becomes a part of their character. And this particular student didn't quite get that in, in Key of Liberty. And so he joins Sword of Freedom. And um, we have um, the, this community puts on a Civil War ball. And um, I brought over a, a ceremony from my Commonwealth in Colorado um, called the Brotherhood of the Story that was written by some wonderful um, mentors. So 
that night, and I'm one of those people, like I'll open up the brotherhood anytime you finish all the requirements for sort of freedom, you know, boom. And so that night we're at the civil war ball. He has like two things left over and he misses all of the ball um, beforehand um, working on memorizing it last hour, right before the ball. And I, I, he doesn't make it in time to get the sword. And, um, and so we give out the sword and I'm like, look, I'll open the brotherhood anytime. Don't, don't stop. Like, but he didn't want to go home that night without his sword. It was bought. It was there. It was waiting for him. And, um, he pulls me out in there about a half an hour after the sword ceremony occurred and passes off the final thing. And, um, and I had mixed feelings about that because I'm like, I feel like you're memorizing for a test and it's not going to stay with you. Um, and I had to look at like, well, I didn't ask them to memorize it for life. I asked them to memorize it, like whatever, right? And he does it, he passes it off and I'm, I'm not giving him anything. And before the last half hour of this ball is I reopen the Brotherhood of the Sword and all of them line up and they've got their swords, you know, going like a, a big old sword tunnel coming across. And he gets it that night. Like he's out there. He misses almost the whole ball, memorizing himself, working himself up in anxiety. And I've watched him multiple times. Like I use the word malfunction, but I don't mean it just, you know, um, the, with, like sometimes the stress gets to him and 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 this particular was crying and I'm like, oh no, I just, I broke a student, right? <laughs> like, you know, whatever I'm like, and, and being able to kind of gauge and watch your audience that way. Um, and I'd seen that in other times of him pushing himself hard. Um, and, and maybe did, did I, I, sometimes I really like Socratic questioning. And so I'll ask questions and I don't tend to accept their first answers unless I think they'll melt. And, and one time, you know, a couple of times I've asked another question and his thinking is like, ah, and, and he melts. Right. And I'm like, Oh, went too far. I didn't catch that gauge, um, soon enough, or at least with that particular student. And so I thought this could have been a meltdown situation because I'd seen it before with the key of Liberty, um, constitution bowl. He was like, he he didn't get a question and he got eliminated and it, it was a difficult moment for him. And so I thought, oh no, is this going to be a repeat of the of the Constitution Bowl? And um, and he's not going to get what he thought he could accomplish. But he did it and he passed it. And you know what? I never saw that mentee again doubt <laughs> that he could do hard things. And so it was just a really, really cool thing. So that's another thing that I've I've seen is confidence, like with my my son, Jeremy, and this ability that I can do hard things. And whenever I see doubt, and I know that they've been through some of these um, previous courses, it's a good um, common language reference point to be like, hey, you remember how hard it was when we were doing the Declaration of Independence or when we were with whoever mentor you had? What was that like for you? And I can have them describe to me all the different things you're gonna do in that. And I'll be like, well, how does this compare? And most of the time they still say the Declaration of Independence was the hardest thing they ever had to do in their life, right? At that point. And so like we're in, you know, they're doing quest three or something and they still think the Declaration of Independence was the hardest thing. And I'm like, I haven't even meant trained in quest three yet. Like I, I'm not you know, like, I haven't even done that yet. And look at what you're doing. And, and so that's, that's a big, huge one. And then I also love the ones who realize that they want to be mentors too. And so like one particular mentee um, that is in the same group of students um, joined us 
a little bit later, I think it was, yeah, in Hero Project. So he joined in, in the third year. And um, and so he does Pyramid Project in Hero Project, joins in, um, and it feels like he'd always been there, but he never got to do Sword of Freedom. And he loves history. He never got to do Key of Liberty. And he loves history. Matter of fact, he thought about becoming a history teacher. Like he doesn't really know, but what he does know is that he really likes history and he really likes teaching others. So his Edison project was to become a mentor for Key of Liberty. And so he came in for only part of Edison and then went in and, and mentored in Key of Liberty. And while he did it, he earned a sort of freedom as part of his Edison project um, because he realized um his talents and his gifts and the things that he might've been missing um, and has a more complete experience because he, he sought after what it was that he wanted. So I love watching them discover their passions. Um, and, and that comes from a lot of freedom that happens in these projects, freedom to, to go down rabbit trails in, in pyramid project, freedom in quest one and two to choose their own people that they study um, rather than it being chosen for them in Quest Two, um, and and so when he got to 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 Edison, he created an amazing project where he learned some Shakespeare in in Japanese. Um, he got a Japanese sword because that went along because he was trying to learn Japanese, and 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 it was very customized to him and what he needed, um, and uh, and was able to achieve that. Um, others, I think that they. Um, their ability to see greatness in other people increase. And that was really apparent when we got this new student in Edison that hadn't been with them. All of them, they didn't have, he didn't have those years worth of all of those classes. I don't know that he even ever took a Lemmy class prior to that. Um, even though he might've been in a more leadership education kind of school, um, it was a, a very quiet student. He just went through a massive change of from all of his friends are on the other side of the country to this, this new group of students and they just accept him as he was with all of his uniqueness, with his quietness, with his distance um, and just encouraged him wherever they were at. He, he was very big into computer, I don't know that it was computer programming, but he would design games and part of his Edison project is he brought them in and they they played it for him and gave him feedback and 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 things like that and asked him questions and that was probably the most amount of time that he he talked to them um to where our final edison retreat it was like he'd always been here um and so i love that about all of them and um and yeah i could just keep going on there was like eight of them total of these of these students i had um for quite some time um and and that was probably the biggest mentoring impact was watching them through that entire um, span. I don't know how many mentors get that gift. And so I, I feel humbled by it. That is awesome. Now, I know a lot of communities um, don't get to Edison Project. I know the community I was with for 15 years, uh, we didn't ever have Edison Project because we didn't have kids stay that long. So I know that people don't know what Edison Project is. Can you give us just a real short description about it? Wow. I I always wonder how to describe it um, because um, 
sometimes I think we get into these lemmyisms that like when you're talking to somebody who's been around a while, it makes sense. But how do you describe it in a way um, that other people will do? So, and I think this is good practice. So thank you. Um, I think it is the ultimate leadership education project because they truly design it themselves um, under the guidance of some mentors. And, and I, so I think that, you know, there's, I think it requires some mentors who, who have confidence or that, that leadership education principle of secured, not stressed, like to be very in, in your mentoring abilities, they're literally going, I always look at it as kind of designing your senior year. What are all the holes that you have left? What are the things that you want to accomplish? What is it that you're excited about um, and that you want to spend some time on? And it can go in many different directions. Sometimes they have a lot of parental involvement in that and sometimes they don't. Um, so it can look like a very structured, I, I've had some private mentees that that I do with the Great Books of the Western World, that they're they're doing a really big liberal arts study and I'm gonna get through the Great Books of the Western World in, in maybe a year, um, which is a huge undertaking. And some of them, it's incredibly um, a craftsmanship sort of experience. It's completely the opposite and they've, they're they're woodworking and and selling bowls and and suddenly created a a, a business or they're um or they're thinking about becoming a baker and suddenly they're baking stuff for the class every week and taking it to to class and and hoping that they that the their student their co their co students um, like the food that they're doing, they're trying different things. They're failing their 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 flan falls or um, their or I mean the souffle falls or whatever. Like I mean, and they're learning from an actual real life um, practical application. So it it looks like a student who was given time to design all or part of their education in respect, and then we as mentors come in and and try to help connect them to outside mentors tried to help um, help them learn. I felt like my role was to help them to develop habits or skills that they needed that can do that um, and to be an accountability partner for them, um, to give them feedback, to um, be their biggest fan and also to have tough conversations with them and accountable when it, it falls flat and we need to redesign and embrace failure. Um, and so sometimes uh, it just looks so different from student to student. And so I don't know if that does an adequate job, but some of them are designing their entire year. Some of them are designing a section of it. It depends on, I think the agreements with their parent mentors. Um, or I've seen just different Edison mentors require different things um, or put their own thing on it um, and whatnot. So I know what worked well for me and. Um, and, and it'll be interesting this summer, I will begin, um, working with our Edison trainer, um, to become an Edison trainer as well on how that will look. So I know what it looks like for, for my experiences. Um, but it was really the opportunity to use my spiritual eyes, one of the Lemmy mentor essential skills more than I, I think I ever had. And so it's really exciting right now. I'm mentoring a quest one and two class on online, with sharpened spiritual eyes that got a real workout the last two years. And, um, and, and so it's, it's interesting to come 
into other projects now with having seen the end in mind. I mean, I haven't done Quest 3, so I don't quite have the full um, end in mind, but um, that's kind of um, a benefit that has been given me. I had the opportunity to teach Edison Project um, to it with my brother when he was in high school. Um, and I, I definitely, I think, I think my understanding of it is a lot of it is heavily dependent on the parent mentor for two reasons. One, how supportive are they in helping the kid, their own child tackle something that can be very scary, <laughs> you know, and then also how supportive are they of their child's time. And I think that Edison struggles if your parents don't support the big dream and then also don't give them the time to support the big dream. Because that was, I think, one of my biggest struggles with when I taught Edison is these kids would come with these big ideas, but then their home life was not congruent to them being able to accomplish any of them because their time was eaten up by so much other things. So, like, I, I think it's an interesting problem because, yes, they need to be able to leave the home in two years if they are 16, right? And so people are like, well, what are you doing to get toward college or a career or these kind of things? But the reason I love Edison is... <laughs> I think every adult would be way happier in their careers if they had a year or even two years to try out a bunch of things and fail. And then realize at 18 or 19, actually, I want to be a doctor and then be a doctor. You know what I mean? Like, instead of being like, oh, I'm going to be a doctor and don't get to try out what that might look like until they're $100,000 in debt. You know, like, like, to me i like edison is super valuable like we i they didn't have edison when i was going through the the continuum but my when i got 16 i i told my mom i want to travel europe and she's like oh that's a great goal and i'm like okay i'm going to read you know thousands of pages of world history before i go oh that's a great idea how are you gonna you know so my mom naturally did edison i think with all of us all of us did like this massive project. Like my sister went to Ecuador and worked in an orphanage. My brother danced all over Europe. Like we did all different things. But my mom also had the understanding that if I don't let Tati get this out of her, oh, if I don't get this out of her, Tati get this out of her system, what's she gonna do when she's 22 or 24? That's <laughs> like commitments and other things like. Um, and so I think it's amazing that this project exists and the parents though, they have to take that leap of faith. I like what you said about um, the parents here. And I found, um, especially with the one student that moved in, that I, as an Edison mentor, at times needed to have mentor meetings with their parent. And it was just a, an aspect of the Edison project I didn't expect. Um, in the case of that one new young man, um, he didn't want to make any commitments. He didn't want to write a project. Not that he wasn't willing to do anything. He just didn't want to put it down on paper because as soon as we, it became a requirement, if you will, even if he's requiring it of himself, he had this um, rebel nature, this, this deal breaker for him. But if the book just happened to be out in plain sight, his mother would put something out suddenly might just pick it up and read it and then want to talk to him about it. And so we reverse engineered this thing, but I had to have regular meetings with his mom and say, okay, what's he doing? 
what's he doing? What's he reading? All of these things that I'd be taking notes with the mom because he didn't have a whole lot to say in our weekly mentor meeting because the first thing I had to do with a brand new student that moved into our community um, and with his personality typing or, you know, whatever you wanted to say was to develop a relationship. Like was no project. There was no nothing. He's here because kind of was, I don't know if he was made to take it, but he's there. And when we looked at all of my notes to the end of the year and look at what he accomplished, the project was massive. The amount of books and hours that he spent, the games he developed, the skills he had to go learn to do these games. And a lot of it came from lots of conversations with mom who had a lot of concerns about like, is he going to be a functional adult and go off and, and be on his own thing if he won't make any commitments to do anything? He won't make any agreements with me as a parent mentor either. And so there was some, some serious spiritual eyes that, that needed to happen. And a lot of conversations with mom to, to ease not only her, her concerns and worries, but my concerns as a mentor of like, I've never had a student like flat out no, you know what I mean? But then still keep coming to class every week. He actually tried to bail and go to quest one. Um, and I'm like, well, how's that? I was also principal mentor at the time. How's that going to work if you don't want to even write a book down that you picked yourself? You want to go to a class that is going to tell you that is working on submission to the will of a mentor. Um, I'm not sure that that's a good fit. And it's also really a big, it was a big quest one class. And then they didn't have, we would have needed to add a third mentor into it. Like it would have, I'm like, you just hang here. If you don't want to do anything, then don't, you know what I mean? It was this whole like, okay, how was your week? What are you reading? You know, um, unfortunately, because um, the books that his mom had in the home, a, a good fair amount of them I had read and was able to have conversations. And there was so much that I think he picked up just by being allowed to be free and having that freedom. And he just did such wonderful things. And I, I I would put it as part of the one of the biggest experience I've ever had as a mentor this many years down the road. Um it, it was it was real learning experience for me. But I I like what you said about the parents. And so for me as an Edison mentor, I I had to be more hands-on than I ever had to be with some of these parent mentors. Because you're right, they weren't getting the freedom to do that. Or maybe there was a big dream, but there was all these other requirements because the family had their own objectives. And then also honoring that that's what their family, that's what that parent mentor feels is right for a child um, and, and doing that. And so some of their projects were boundlessly free, if you will. And some of them where it was a really just a chunk of freedom that they were given to customize in that. And I even had one student that it was, yeah, this is what you wrote with your mom and this is what she wants you to do. You seem to be in agreement with her and and this kind of structure works for you. And 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 she needed that 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 more structure and whatnot. And you you have to honor this is what their parent mentor seems is right. And my job is to is to also support that and not undermine it. So yeah, yeah. I'm right there with you. We're interrupting this broadcast to remind you to share and subscribe. Also, be sure and check out our website at lemmymentortraining.com. I know a lot of communities are having challenges right now because there's so many parents that are new to leadership education and they don't understand that parent 
mentor role. Um, I know you're you've you're very experienced with different communities. You mentioned that you're you were a principal mentor. Are there any things that you've done in the past or that you can suggest for these communities for parent new parent mentors, you know, how they could help these new parent mentors? I think that's why a, a parent project should probably be the most important project in the community. Because, you know, one of our first um, uh, keys to leadership education is it's, it's about you, not them. And so a good investment into a parent project mentoring um, with that kind of vision. But like an Edison project, you have such a wide range of parents, one with experience in the philosophy, but also with just life experience. Some people can have be very self-learners and have gone through the same type of education I have. I wasn't, you know what I mean? Until I got to college, until I started having to pay for that by myself, I suddenly was like, oh, I don't want to fail this because then I'm going to have to pay to take it again. And I, I suddenly started taking more ownership, but I didn't as much um, uh, in my public school education. And so it requires um, a lot of flexibility um, from the community having um, a vision. So the biggest things communities can do is invest in their parent project. And that's kind of something that um, I've been envisioning for myself as, as my youngest is 16, um, almost or in, a, in about two weeks, and, and he's um, aging out of the community. I still, one as a Lemmy trainer, wanted to be connected to a community. So I was connected to what, need now as they go through the changes of the world today, um, as they encounter different things, as they mentor youth of 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 this generation is still something I'm I mean I, I became a trainer under the old hero generation. Um if you were looking at the fourth turning cycles. And so now we have this artist generation that is like we're solidly dealing with I'm still wrapping my brain around it because it wasn't how I was originally trained as a, as a Lemmy trainer, not that it was very specific to your generation, but it, it's been requiring me to, to use spiritual eyes more than I ever had before. I find this um, generation needs more of that for me, at least from me, at least. And so the parent project is a, a big, huge thing. Um, but at the same time, going into lecture mode with these younger parents, um, maybe more of Tatiana's age and even younger that are having scholars coming in, um require um them required us to approach them differently just like we have to approach um uh, the artist generation differently so that is something that i've kind of been looking at um and as they coming in before they have scholars i love to tell these moms that like before you have a scholar is an excellent time to be working at and not that we stop once we have scholar to be filling yourself with a, a scholar education if that's if that's where you're at phase wise of or moving towards that. And um and I also think that it's really oftentimes one of the things that I saw in both communities that oftentimes you get these mentors and they move into the scholar phase and we're only putting our newest people into their younger programs. Their junior programs is what we called it. I don't know what other community calls it. And so always is the newer moms. And um, and sometimes they lack that association with those who got to pay the price. And so um, 
having having some experienced mentors going into the juniors program, even though they have all of these skills and abilities to run these scholar projects, um, we I think wonder if we do a, a disservice to these younger moms by keeping by it organically happening to separate that way. At least that's how I noticed in both the communities or all the communities that I've been involved and witnessed and maybe some other ones because it happens out of necessity of like, she said yes to mentoring the scholar project and we really need it. Um, or providing ways that they interact um, more. Or there's a lot of um, not prioritizing a parent project in the need to fulfill these activities for these younger younger kids. And therefore they don't get the association between um, a parent project mentor, um, whether that's family foundations or one of the library community series that we offer or, or one that you write your own because of the needs that you see in your community. Um, also, another thing is, I don't know how it works in other communities, but in our this last community, the principal mentor oftentimes was double mentoring herself. And so it kept her from being maybe out of necessity. I know I did. Um, but my kids were not young. And so we have principal mentors that maybe have younger kids that are double mentoring and she spread so thin that she can't get involved with those other moms and interacting and, and helping them grow. And that of itself, the principal mentor, lead mentor, whatever, if that's part of your community's culture, um, gets stretched a little thin and she's not able to mentor the mentors and 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 go and maybe visit their classes um, to give um, mini trainings, to be able to look at those mentor reports that are hopefully coming in or not coming in and going after and having those conversations and noticing a pattern between all of those mentee mentors and going, hey, I think it's time we talk about colloquium again because that seems to be something they're saying in their mentor reports. Um, that goes well. And so customizing um, something to strengthen and, and grow them. I also think that um, that if you can't quite work in a weekly parent mentor program or every other week program, then sometimes thinking outside the box and finding other ways to connect to those moms. And um, we have wonderful technology these days um, uh, to do that. So just looking and then looking really closely at knowing, you know, how that's going, having a, a dedicated maybe um, board member that looks at these newer families that are coming in um, and has a good understanding of what kinds of things, you know, can they be checking on the health of the community? And we find that a lot in our family foundations um, project. It's a lot of that. So there's, there needs to be a lot of, um, those kind of things. And so while we have our leadership, Lemmy leadership class, maybe we don't have a practical how to be a principal mentor. I mean, I know we haven't, we had it once in the past. That would be um, that, that like nobody taught me. I, I had principal mentors in the past um, in my old community. So I was able to do that and be the first one in this community, um, but I had experienced it. And so that's, that's another thing. Not every community has the benefit of starting with members that are experienced and not every principal mentor or chairman or whatever the title is had experience of watching somebody go through it for them. So um, 
you know, reaching out to utilizing the, the Lemmy Facebook page and not being afraid to ask for help while still honoring maybe privacy. I'm sure there's like some situations you don't want to just, so you know, on while, Facebook. while you're talking, I was thinking, okay, so why, why doesn't this happen? And the thing that came to, to my mind was three, it's kind of three separate thoughts together, but <laughs> um, in the Moses story, the very first chapter of Moses, the people who were the heroes is, or I guess Exodus, not Moses, is, um, are the women, the midwives, the Hebrew midwives, Moses' mother, and um, Pharaoh's daughter, okay? These women play this huge part in Moses' life and helping him become who he was to be, right? And they don't get a lot of, like, you don't, hear a lot about them but they're the first they're the beginning right um and it kind of was an insight into like the idea of what a woman's heart is and my epiphany I had was like as women just biologically and as mothers our tendency is to just give and protect if you look at like Moses' story those midwives protected those the babies they refused to follow the orders of the of the um pharaoh you know moses's mother sheltered him and kept him safe and then you know pharaoh's daughter opened her arms to protect him right that's like very like core of what it means to be women so our core is you know protect nurture and and grow right and so when we're asked okay now you have to protect yourself you have to grow yourself you have to you have to change yourself they were like that's out of my nature I don't want to do that. Like if I have to do something for my kids, I'm 100% more willing to do that for my children than I am to do that for myself. And it's like, because I know like we're starting to come off right now and and we've been able to have some, uh, to start our library community series. Um, and we have some amazing reading happening, but I can see the pain and the hesitancy that the pe that a lot of the parents have, well, just mostly the, the mothers who are homeschooling because they can't see how their children need this, right? So then it jumped to my next epiphany because I like to read a lot. And I just read a book called um, The Third Pole. It was the history, it was a story about a man who um, climbed Mount Everest in the attempt to find Sir Edmund Hillary's climbing partner, Andrew, I, uh, Andy, oh gosh, I forgot his name. Anyways, to find his camera, because to see if he was really the first one to get to the to Everest. Anyways, so as I'm listening to this, the whole idea is about these oxygen tanks and oxygen masks. Because if you go up to Everest and you climb without oxygen, it's like instant death. Unless there are a few people who've done it without it, but very, very few. And so they're like, you have to be so selfish and concerned about your own oxygen or you will die. And if and and if you want to save someone, you'll both die. Because if you try to not have your oxygen and you give them their oxygen to save them lives so then you don't have oxygen, then you're both dead. And so I almost think it's like that way. It's like if you help the parents see, put on your own oxygen mask on Everest. You're both climbing this and if you don't let your kids, if you take your oxygen mask to give to your kids, then they don't get to Everest and you don't get to Everest. You both die. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was my epiphany. I don't know if it makes sense or. <laughs> it, it, Why they I tell you on the plane, put your own oxygen mask on first, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I totally relate to that. I mean, and Heather, I remember as uh, um, the, the chair of our, our board and as principal mentor, I was the one that was always making sure that nobody else was mentoring two projects, but yet I was doing that job and mentoring too. I mean, we do that to ourselves, even when we know better, even when we know we need that. One of the great things I, I, I love about uh, Lemmy is we do offer things that a lot of people don't know about. We have a school leadership training that um, that even an established school should look into, going to, and have that training. And it's, it's a, a, an amazing experience being able to go through that. We also have the library community school builder and other things as well. So um, we need to we need to put those oxygen masks on first. I totally agree with you guys. Well, I love what you said about the story of Moses, but I, it does help me think that those midwives had um, apprenticeships and, and trainings and they had experience um, to be able to do what they, they did um, and a passion for life. I mean, we didn't have to be, and also think about Pharaoh's daughter that while she may not have had the same education a Pharaoh's son would have, she had a lot of training and upground um, and do that. So I wasn't, I mean, I love your analogy as well, but these women um, also had other preparations and we don't get to know much about Moses's biological mother, right? Um, and all that life, you know, prepared her for. Um, and I think that that might be part of what we see is the all the sacrifice, but we don't necessarily think about what it took to become the midwife and what it took um, to become and raise up a Pharaoh's daughter, what training that she was raised up um, with, and as well as the life of the school of hard knocks that Moses's mother would have had to have gone in through. And so I think I agree with you is right that it that we don't we're we're bringing them into a community. And we tell them, you, not them. <laughs> and they're like, I don't even know who I am, right? <laughs> like, I just, I just rolled to the other side of the bread, the bed to, to, to nurse this baby because it was time for another round. And, um, and, and I fell asleep because the prolactin took, took in. Do you know what I mean? And, 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 and all of that, but even if it's 15 minutes of, of studying, even if it's just a little bit more, um, to, to build that, that. I also that love that too, thing. because. As you come into motherhood, you come in, you know, whether you come in at 20 or come in at 30, like you come in as a, as a person, but I think motherhood just like slaps you in the face, chews you up, eats you up. And then you're like, okay, now my kids are getting a little bit older. Who am I? I literally think that's something, a crisis that I don't realize, didn't realize until like recently. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know if I have an identity outside of Sarah's mom. <laughs> I'm going through the same thing. Who am I if my youngest child is an adult now? Like, I don't even know what that's like. What does that mean for me? Having spent the last, like my oldest 21, almost 22 years, pouring myself into these four human beings and home educating them. Like, I don't have any grandbabies yet, which, you know, no rush but um you know I, I mean I look forward to it but it's okay I can wait a couple more years um but um do you know what I mean it's like this this like wh who am I now so you go through that interesting enough when you sometime in the middle that you're like I don't know who I am outside of these people but I'm I'm sitting here with an almost 16 year old going I don't know who I am outside of mentoring in these library communities and for the first time 
and I don't know how many years I'm, I'm, while I'm teaching a class online, that's not related to that community. I'm not in an actual community right now and I'm not mentoring and pouring myself into a community and will move and, and, and join maybe a new community for a while. Because I, like I said, I always envisioned retiring to the parent project of just pouring because now I've, I've gone this experience and I'm, I'm pouring into this cup while I watch all these other mothers do what I did, but nobody was there to hold that parent cup and to hold that space for that. And that's kind of, kind of somewhat of the calling. I'm, I'm wondering that's my next phase, my next mission or, or, you know, whatever you want to call it is to, to invest in these parent mentors um, and, and, and share with them, and that's the wisdom of having mentors and the wisdom of, of pouring yourself into these books. And that's the wisdom of, of climbing onto the shoulders of giants so you can, you can see far is by actually doing it. And, and, and like, like, especially um, Tatiana's mom, Anelity being in that earlier generation of homeschoolers um, and, and Heidi, you know, you as well and whatnot of these were not, there weren't, as many giants around to crawl up on some of them just kind of had to take an extra supplement and become giants. You know what I mean? Um, and so I, I feel blessed to be in that in-between stage of I'm not one of the earlier ones, but I'm not newbie either. And so of being able to, to bring some other people up and feeling, okay, so what does that look like for me? What does that look like for somebody who's entering towards grandma age soon, a couple of years, yeah. hopefully. And, um, or that in-between mom and grandma stage um what does that look like for me i've got got 20 years of time in communities that man if i had gone back and learned how to identify principles like i i, I remember always hearing about principles and that there are some and people saying this is a principle but how do i know that that's a principle um if i had learned that my first year of mentoring how much more exciting would shakespeare have been um, if I have taught more principle-based rather than, hey, that looks like it was a stupid idea for Hamlet to do, right? You know what I mean? Um, and 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 being able to say why, you know, what was this breaking and and to be able to, to teach from that. So, I mean, there, there are things that, that we as more seasoned mentors can bring um, to these younger mentors that, that they can pay the pain learning an even different lesson. We already paid this one, so so clock. Well, when on you when you figure that out, see you it. you should contact us so that we can. <laughs> <laughs> when you figure out what that journey looks like, we could definitely probably use use some greatness as we try to service our mentors and our parent mentors more. We really think that's you know when Heidi and I talked about this podcast, like why put all this energy and effort into doing something that probably is not going to be monetarily you know, make us millions, but <laughs> not like anything at Lemmy's going to make us millions anyways, but like why put all this energy and money into it? And it really came down to, it's like, we have mentors and we have parents who need to know what they don't know and know it's okay. And, and then have resources on how to get it, you know? So like, we're having lots of different people on here who have lots of different ex life experience and through Lemmy, you know, and, you know, making them available to our mentors and making, things known to our mentors and parents, I think is just a, a big reason behind this podcast. Like, so obviously 
you're going to um, be in the middle of moving, but when you figure that out, like, well, let us know. And that's the beauty of the podcast. Like we're reaching mentors where they're at now. These, these younger sets of mentors and even the older mentors are, they, they, they get their learning in new and different ways. And if we don't stay, I don't know, with the times and whatnot with that, um, then, then, you know, how do we reach and we have to find them where they're at? And if they're not, they're not going to be where we used to find ourselves 10 years ago, um, where it was convenient to, to do, you know. Well, Heather, we have kept you for about an hour and thank you so much. I really feel like we have uh, a better idea, especially of Edison Project and uh, your experience with that is just amazing. And I, I really feel like this last part of our conversation we need Edison Project for adults. Wouldn't that be cool? Uh, we in, in my last community, that's an option in lieu of a parent project is to work with a principal mentor and, and write an Edison Project for themselves. And and that is definitely definitely something that I I would I would think would be a great option. I think it would work just as well for parents. And maybe it wouldn't be as big and elaborate as as our youth have the time to do, but it could be exactly what these moms moms need or or dads for that matter i'd love to have more of those too <laughs> all right before we let you go i always like to ask if you had one piece of advice for a struggling mentor what do what would it be i was torn about this answer um it goes back to that discussion on principles of being able to to find principles and um and to help others to do the same or just good habits <laughs> um uh, because i think we sometimes get overwhelmed at at all that could be done to become a better version of yourself to develop um your your own scholar phase or even rebuild your core phase i know i have to go back and work on on areas of that as well. And that is the the regular devotion to to spending the time of doing the work day in, day after day builds momentum. Even if it's 15 minutes a day, it's 15 minutes that didn't happen before. It's 15 minutes with a classic. It's 15 minutes of listening to somebody to help you to move to the next step. It's 15 minutes with one of what seven different kinds of mentors that Student Whisper talked about, um, but it consistently done over a period of time uh, yields the butterfly effect and, and it, it can create um, depth within a person. So I suppose it would be that um, is, is to structure some time and do the work. And, um, and you will see that over time, it adds up and um and your higher power can help make up the difference um and what not to do that so do the work um there's there's no way to get it without it and um and i i just consistent daily effort of spending time in the classic spending time learning um something every day um, whether it's in the art of mentoring whether it's a classic whether it's an interest that you have um, makes you an example and it also grows you as a person. I just want to add to that. I think that's like the key right there because today I had probably one of the 
a really precious teaching moment with my children. We were reading for our Commonwealth George Washington's World, and there's a bunch of little stories in there. We read about John Paul Jones, and he was a slave. Uh, he was on a slave ship. And while we were reading that, I was like, oh, slave ship. I know stories about slave ships. Oh, yeah, like the story of Amazing Grace. And because I have read, you know, the Wilberforce's Amazing Grace, right? I had read that, and that was part of my knowledge I had gained forever ago. And so I said, oh, yeah, let's play the song. And we, I, I showed a little video to my kids about the guy who wrote it, um, John, what's his name? No, Newton, John Newton. And my daughter was like, oh, my gosh, I finally understand that song. It's about a guy that did really horrible things. And then he was able to find redemption. This is crazy. <laughs> but had I not had the knowledge, you know, like she could make a connection to the, the, the story because we had just been reading about the slave ships and the slave trade and, and what that was. So she, she, if I hadn't had that knowledge to share that connection with her because I knew it, like then she wouldn't have been able to have that epiphany and connect the two. And, and so I think it's just so profound what you have to say, like it was, it's just a little bit of work, right? Like, you know, for me, I can't, I don't sit down and read very much because every time I sit down, I got like two little laps in, in, <laughs> in my lap. So I have to listen to books, but I make a conscious effort, you know, what book am I going to borrow from the library this week and listen to it while I fold laundry forever, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and I think that's right. Like it's that little teeny step that I make, you know, because I could just watch soap operas or mess around on, on Netflix all day, you know. <laughs> But instead of like, okay, what am I, what classic am I going to immerse myself in this week while I have to do all my menial chores or whatever <laughs> that I have to keep the house running? Audiobooks And it's are, all those I tiny homeschool. little. I was just going to say, yeah. audiobooks are the homeschool mom's best friend. Yeah. They helped me keep my sanity yeah. for years. <laughs> I would I would subscribe that as, as well um and and I'm just it, it, you just never once that stuff come into your brain and your brain goes you know you start asking yourself questions it will naturally pull and start making these connections and that's what a good uh, an education does in general what what you do retain what you do remember it's amazing at how you make connections to to other things and um, it's amazing how in unrelated things can can become related and then taking it that extra step further of how you can personally apply it into your own life to not just oh that was an interesting fact about history but it it can it can help us today if we if we choose to see it that way so thank you so much heather we appreciate you sharing your genius with us today and and being the leader in um leadership education Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode. Just as in every Lemmy training, we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired, but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community. Please be sure to subscribe and share. We also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this. You can do hard things.